Hi guys, and welcome back to the Wings of Fire Fan Wings podcast, where we talk about all things Wings of Fire. But today, we will be talking about one of my favorite things about the whole series, the villains in the series. So, just a quick thing. I was watching WandaVision, and just a quick spoiler for that show, I really like Agatha, she's cool. She's probably my favorite villain, you know, in well, my favorite character, and she's a villain, and I really like villains in Wings of Fire, too. So that got me thinking, why don't I do a podcast on it? So, here I am. And you should watch WandaVision, because it's a very good series. If you have Disney+, Plus, definitely watch it. Well, anyways, let's go on and talk about these villains. Now, what do you think of the biggest villain in Wings of Fire? Who do you think it is? Do you think it's the other mind? Possibly destroying all the dragons' kind? Is it Blister, Blaze, and Burn? Who I will be talking about later. But no, I'm talking about the one villain who appeared in book one. Her debut. She was in two arcs. Made a big impact in all of those two arcs. Is Queen of the Skywings. Very thrilling. Well, was Queen of the Skywings. You get the point. We all know who it is. Some people love her. Some people hate her. It's Queen Scarlet. I honestly love her. She's very thrilling. <laughs> I just like her. So, in one way, I kind of think she is kind of the biggest villain. I mean, first of all, she was one of the villains to expand in a lot, in two arcs. The second arc and the first arc. And I know what you're thinking. The other mind, Darkstalker. Like, they were a lot bigger, <laughs> in a way. But... Scarlet might not have mind control, she might not have animus magic, but you definitely don't want to cross her. And in book 8, I just find her funny, for some reason. I just really do. In book 1 and book 5 too, I just like her, for some reason. Another thing that I do think about her is that she's small. Apparently, she's like smaller than Kestrel. Not Gestrel, Kestrel. So, I was like, that's very interesting. When I first read Scarlet in the first book, when I read it the first time, I imagined her as a very big dragon. Like, super big dragon, intimidating eyes. She still has those intimidating eyes. With a beautifully mounted face, of course. But, (laughs) she's very small. She's, like, small. And I was utterly confused but at the same time i remembered yep this is scarlet she's small but she's very brutal force type of dragon she does like other people to carry out her dirty work she really does she doesn't really like doing it herself from what i can see but she will and she can so <laughs> that is one thing i like about queen scarlet i also like how i don't know it's just it was on everyone's minds. Okay. Blister, Blaze, and Burn were probably on everyone's minds in book one. But at the same time, you could definitely see Scarlet in, like, about every single book, if you think about it. Well, in the first arc, at least, she appeared in books one, three, and five. In book two, uh, they talked about Gil, who was captured by Scarlet. Like, that was crazy. Did Scarlet even... Okay. If Scarlet knew that Gil was Tsunami's father... Oh my gosh. She just got a lot more evil right there. She really did. 
but you know it worked out <laughs> it was a coincidence i would say but um it was a very interesting coincidence and i was like did she plan that for some reason i mean she planned the fight between clay and peril because mudwings hatched from blood red eggs can you know repel fire so yeah she planned that oh and by the way I will write it when I write the description of this podcast, but by the way, there's going to be a lot of spoilers because we're talking about all the arcs here, all the villains, well, not all of them, but a lot of the major ones. So, just a quick spoiler alert coming through. This is mostly first arc spoilers, not that huge, but at the same time, they are kind of big, but we'll get into the bigger ones later, so I just wanted to say that. But... Uh, back on the topic of thrilling i just call her thrilling because she is very (laughs) thrilling she says it multiple times and in book one clay literally hates the word thrilling and if i was in clay's place i would definitely hate the word thrilling too but at the same time now i really like that word it's a good word actually (laughs) thrilling you know it just sounds cool and one other thing about scarlet she literally like employed chame- chameleon at one point i didn't think she was gonna do it with it with the Rainwing, which unlike some other villains she kind of swallowed up her pride there and did what's best for her which i do think is a very good move so props to you and having the magic with pyrite that was especially big trying to kill the dragonette's destiny trying to um trick everyone to thinking that she could glory so then people might go to the night kingdom and she could catch some people off guard scarlet is very good you know scarlet is very good and she's a very calculated villain she's usually a lot of steps ahead even though she's more like a brutal force making other people do what she wants but we've spent a lot of time on queen scarlet haven't we so let's go off to the next villain the one the only the 2000 year old well, more than 2,000-year-old, Darkstalker, or who's now Peacemaker. <laughs> so, Darkstalker, oh my gosh, he just had such a tragic backstory that I really do feel bad for him. Like, you have Animus Magic, Fathom, you can read minds. I feel very bad for Fathom. Um, having your father literally hate you and <laughs> just say, you can't use your animus magic. We're one on one. But then when he killed Arctic, I was like, oh my gosh. That was crazy. And, um, <laughs> yeah, that was. That part of the book was insane. And at this point, I knew, okay, Darkstalker is somebody to keep my tabs on. Really is. And then when he summoned all the animus, animi, I guess, and all the animi to the palace, it made no one else able to use their magic against him stuff like that that was crazy and now i'm just imagining what would happen if jerboa's um what would happen if jerboa's spell was cast when dark stalker was alive would it reflect i mean like would it actually be a spell would it not be a spell because 
Like, Darkstalker said no other person's animus magic could work, but then Jerboa said, like, all the animus magic. So, I don't know exactly. I don't... I still think Darkstalker would be able to use his animus magic. But if it did happen when Jerboa was there, that would be a different story. Because that Darkstalker would have been overpowered. And now I kind of want to see an AU, or write an AU or something, where Jerboa cast the spell, nobody could use his magic besides Darkstalker. Well, no one really could. That's why they had the magic strawberry. But at the same time, I want to see what would happen. But like right after Darkstalker, Animus Magic was broken. And then Snowball's paranoia would be off the roof at this point. So, <laughs> you know, everything is interesting there. But also with Darkstalker, oh my gosh, I just want Dark Sight to happen. Or Clear Stalker. I just like Dark Sight, so I'm going to refer to them as Dark Sight. And if you want me to do a Dark Stalker Clear Sight podcast, I will do that in the near future. So look out for that, because I really do love that ship. And I really do. I, I like Sunsight. But at the same time, oh my gosh, Clear, clear Stalker or Dark Sight, that was a thing from the beginning and it was amazing and they liked each other and it just had to end with clear sight putting the bracelet on but then he she did that for dark stalkers like future so he wouldn't hurt any people and be too overwhelmed with guilt it, it, it it's just crazy and dark stalkers character i really like it he has some very strong development it might not be to the correct Side of development but I guess the power corrupted him and then when quick death tried to kill him you know the irony of that name though quick death <laughs> he died a quick death in a way so yeah quick death was rest in peace anyways so Darkstalker just had a very well crafted character arc and I really liked seeing his POV in Darkstalker and then seeing that the Soul Reader said he was evil and what he'd done and that was so sad but then he was like no I can't stop now and offered Keely Animus Magic the one thing he knew and was just that was just crazy yes I know this podcast is a bit of a longer one but I have one more trio of villains to talk about the Sandwing Sisters of course, the villains of um, the first arc. We obviously have to talk about them if we're talking about villains. The 20-year Sandwing War of Succession. When the war has lasted 20 years, the Dragonettes will come. Well, at least the prophecy got that part decently accurate. So, yeah, the Sandwing Sisters. First of all, we're going to start with my favorite to my least favorite. So let's go with Blister. She is my favorite. I really like how calculated she is, like Scarlet. But instead, she's a lot more calculated. She does everything for a reason. If you have watched Avatar The Last Airbender, a show I've mentioned a couple times on this podcast before, uh, yes, you should very much go check it out. She's kind of like Azula, but in the Wings of Fire universe. She's very calculated. She does everything for a reason. Um, yes, she did lose the Mudwings. I will admit that. But at the same time, that was Deathbringer's doing. And Deathbringer is amazing. So, you know, you can never discount Murder Basket. He is the best. Yeah, Murder Basket is Deathbringer. <laughs> They're the same. But 
you know, Blister is just super smart. And I really like that, how she got the Nightwing Alliance. And no one really knew that she had the Nightwing Alliance. How she had the Sea Wing Alliance. She knew where the caves were. And, oh my gosh, she manipulated Coral so well that Coral was literally willing to lock up her own daughter, who she had been wanting to have for like seven years. If you really think about that, that's crazy. Like, Coral is the most helicopter parent there is. We could say that, yes. <laughs> or at least one of that. Keeping your literal child chained to you. But she's only helicopter with the Devity, and that was like Turtle and all the other brothers. There are like 32 of them. <laughs> I just feel bad for all of the brothers. But, you know, I just really do. But Coral is kind of a helicopter parent at this point. But got better after book 9, I would say. Wrote a letter to Turtle in the epilogue book 10. So she got better. But Blister's manipulation at that point was off the roof. And I really think that kind of added a bit to Coral's character. Just like how easily she was able to be manipulated. I just think that was interesting. Now let's talk about Blaze. Uh, she was my middle favorite. Not super fond of her, but not super like, oh my gosh, I don't like her. Because Blaze was like, I remember one part in the graphic novel. At Starflight's face, when Blaze said, ooh, is that one in the prophecy? He looks much more attractive than the other one. Like, talking about Deathbringer should be in the prophecy instead of Starflight. It's Starflight's face. I'm sorry, but it, it was just comedy. And then Blaze's Everybody Likes Me. Well, your sister's, like, kind of waging a war on you, so I want to say everybody likes you at this moment. Um, but a lot of people do like you. I, I, can, I, can, I can't say that. A lot of people like you. And then in Deserter... When she was just like, no, I need to get it. I need to get my jewelry. Even if it makes me go into a terrible sandstorm, I'll still get it. Just that determination <laughs> for getting jewels. I just really like that. And how she's still chilling in the Sandwing Palace just with her jewels. I honestly don't think she wanted to be queen. I just think she wanted a lot of jewelry and she would have just left the war and been fine with it. You know, I really do think that. And I don't know, I will, I will not guarantee this, but I won't really go that much in depth about Blacier in this podcast. But if you want to see a blazing glacier, you, you know I can't do it. And, you know, it's actually a really nice ship. But at the same time, Glacier was shipped with Snowfall's dad. But if that was it, I would totally ship them. Well, I still do kind of ship them. Because, I mean, oh my gosh. I, I just do. But then there's Glacier and Jervoa. And I, I, I just don't know. I just really don't know. But, you know, I'm always here to do a podcast on some pretty interesting things. Now let's talk about Burr. She's crazy. That's the one word I can use to describe her. Crazy. In Deserter, when she wanted to look at Six Claws Claws, and when he died in battle, to hang them up in her weirdling tower. First of all, who has a tower with, like, two-headed lizards and seven-tailed, seven-taloned dragons? Okay, I know everyone has a hobby, but Burn, you got a decently creepy hobby. I'll just say that you kind of do. Now, Burn is just 
Oh my gosh. Bird is brutal strength. If I've ever said in this podcast that Scarlet is very brutal strength, take that, multiply times a million, and you have Burn. Like, really, Burn is just super strong, and I like that, but at the same time, I just don't really like her. And how she hangs the heads on the wall in the, um, in the Sandwing Palace, that's just outside of the, well, the stronghold, I guess, is what it's called. I find that very creepy. But, hey, you know, Burn is creepy. That's kind of her vibe. I think Burn would really like Halloween. I really do. But instead, if she didn't get the candy, she just probably killed the dragon who was trying to hand out the candy. And it feels so bad for candy hand out her dragon. Yeah, so that's basically burned in a nutshell. And I know this is a very long podcast, but we can't do this without a little snippet on the other mind. I know we are not done with the third arc as of now. And I'm going to do more in depth on the other mind when we are done with the third arc and stuff like that. But I'm just going to say mind control in wings of fire i just think it's super cool how it's like you get a you eat a plant you get mind controlled and how wasp actually was being controlled by the other mind this whole time i just want to see wasp non-controlled everyone said that wasp was still perfectly evil but i want to see if it's more evil if it's less evil is it like i don't know i just kind of want to see wasp for who she really is and yeah, I just kind of want to see her without the other mind. And if you do get to see that in book 15, oh my gosh, I really would. But then evil Blue, the other mind, I cannot forgive you for making Blue, for possessing Blue. I could literally not forgive you for that. So for that reason, I'm going to cut you short because I can't speak. Blue, Blue can't. Oh my gosh, I just feel so bad for Blue. He would never want to do that to any dragon. He's so sweet. He's a cinnamon roll. But the other mind always tastes the best ones, I guess. So, oh, oh, and just a quick comment. I kind of do want to see mind-controlled Sequoia and mind-controlled Nettle. Okay, mind-controlled Nettle. She's going to be up on Sendu even more, and I want to see that. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I know it was a bit longer, like I've said multiple times, but I do really hope you enjoyed me talking about all the villains that I love in the series. And trust me, there is more. There's Snow Fox, there's Snowflake, there's um, a lot more, actually. If you could consider Jerboa an antagonist. No, the, the Boa, you know, not the first Jerboa. I don't like her. The... Jerboa 3, then I like Jerboa 3, Chameleon is eh, but you know, I really do like a lot of villains so with that, I am going to end this podcast here, I hope you guys enjoyed and I will see you on the next podcast, bye